0: Chapter 4. Tombs in Time. Wait, what? Did I hear her right? She was going to blow up Dad? Kaya charged up to her command deck. Ship, target rockets on Derek. No! The ship ignored me as much as Kaya did. Pre-launch targeting is not available. Dad's on board. You'll kill him. You know he's dying, right? Then to the air she said, Laser cannons. Laser cannons are offline. I had to stop her. But but he he can't die out here in the middle of nowhere. And I can't let Derek steal my cargo. Dad is not cargo. Kaya ran from one console to another, trying to find a way to attack Derek. It's a pirate thing. If I let him get away with this, he'll sense my weakness. He's not getting away with anything. Dad gave himself up. Kaya was back to ignoring me. Can I target rockets post-launch? Rockets can be set for dumb targeting, but it is not advised. Kaya didn't give the warning a second thought. If I blow myself up in this condition, it won't make a lot of difference. You can't. You promised. Something must have gotten through to her, because she looked at me. She looked up at where Derek's ship must have been. Then she let out a deafening half-roar, half-scream. Every muscle in her body strained in frustration. Her hair was such a dark, inky black that her skin began to turn the same color. Before she finished her howl, an explosion rocked us. Everything, including me and Kaia, bounced off the walls, ceiling, floor, and each other as the ship tumbled in space. Derek had thumped out of the area. A thump is an explosion purposely set to cause waves of dark matter. This gave his ship a kickstart without having to burn rocket fuel. Derek was impatient to tick to Aneria or escape Kaia's wrath. Either way, he had put some distance between us to safely tick my dad away from me forever. Dad's story on Derek's ship is so famous, most people know it better than I do. In case my journal has fallen into the hands of beings from some planet that's never heard of any of us, here is what Janiyah wrote about it.
1: The brig was a dank little room in the bowels of the ship. All that qualified it as a brig was a lock on the outside of the door. If I had been sane enough at the time to notice, I would have appreciated the upgrade from my dumpster. At some point, Derek opened the door to lead Sir Janus Alatus in. I suppose these accommodations aren't what you're used to, Derek said. Food, water, air, and peace of mind are all I require, said Sir Alatus. You're on your own on that last one. I wasn't sure why, but I was excited about my new guest. Meet your roommate, said Derek to Alatus. Janiah. I had yet to shake off my tick nor my foul smell, but when Alatus extended his hand to me as if I were his equal, I became strangely focused on the same event, but in my past. I... 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 know you. You're her father. Derek dismissed me like the garbage I used to sort. Don't mind him. He's tickled. Then I knew why I was so excited to meet Alatus. You've come to deliver us from evil. I can only point the way. You must deliver yourself. You can only point the way. (laughs) I must deliver myself. We said that together as if it were some kind of famous saying, which is ironic since now it is. I turned to my captain. You've got to let him go. Poor guy, said Derek, meaning me. With any luck, he'll become a tickler if he lives. He's the one. I was excited. Others have said maniacal, and I couldn't say they were wrong. He'll bring us the Virgin of the Apocalypse. Derek had had enough. Enjoy the trip, he said to Alatus as he closed the door on us. I hollered after him, she's our only hope. Kaya cleaned her ship
0: while talking to herself like a madwoman. Derek burst our bubble. How can I fix that? She picked up the body of one of Derek's crew and dragged him to the airlock. I can't, damn it. She closed the inner door of the lock. But Derek won't go to an area right away. He'll want to warn Gon and come in the back door. I barely knew this woman, but it seemed obvious that she was going off the rails. Will you forget about Derek? She snarled at me. I can't. As if to punctuate this, she hit a button on the airlock with her fist. The body blew out into space. I worried that I might be next. If I was going to go, it wouldn't be before I got some answers. Why not? Pirates are conquerors. It may not seem fair to you, but they live by the rule that what is yours is only what you can keep. If Derek steals my cargo once, he'll consider anything I have to be his. He didn't steal your cargo. Your cargo? My dad? got up and walked out of his own free will. You don't understand. Then enlighten me! I think I might have yelled that. It had been just hours since I buried Mom, and in that time, it was just getting to be too much. I kind of lost it. I haven't been this far in space since I was a baby. I don't know what a tick is. I don't know where my dad is. I don't even really know who you are. I plopped down the deck in a heap of victualist fabric. (gasps) What's going on? <laughs> Kaya stopped her frantic pacing. I don't know if it was so much from my tirade as not being able to figure out what to do next, but I had some small portion of her attention. To start with, she said, still looking at the job in front of her, I'm Kaya, and this is my ship. I know that much. Ship one 8th g one 8th G gi My stomach kind of swirled up inside me, like I was on a ride at the fair. The lower gravity allowed Kaya to pick up a giant bale of cotton as if it were a toy. My head was as big of a mess as the ship. I didn't know where to start, so I picked the small stuff. What's it called? My ship? Kaya shrugged. It's just a ship. It doesn't have a name. She raised a bale of cotton over her head and tossed it toward an open hatch. The bale tumbled into place in the cargo hold. Yes! She pumped her fist like she'd just scored a point in a game she'd invented and looked at me like I should be happy about it. I was still on the floor, pouting. Kaya softened a bit. Your dad hired me to take you to your grandparents, then him to the Aneria system. You know about that, right? Yeah. Another question popped in my head. Are you a pirate? Kaya got a distant look. Was it regret? I don't know, but it took her a second to come up with an answer. Sometimes. Who's Derek? I still didn't really know what I was asking, or why. That's a question I've often asked myself. Kaya tossed another giant bale toward the open hatch. This time, it bounced around the outside and went tumbling to the far end of the ship. Oh, man! She seemed angrier about missing that throw than she did about losing Dad to bloodthirsty bounty hunters. Excuse Excuse me, I said as loud and as angry as my diplomatic upbringing would allow. This is my life we're talking about. I would appreciate it if you would take me a little bit more seriously. Kaya bowed her head a little with respect and said something that I had yet to hear her say. I'm sorry. She came over to me and took a seat on a bale of cotton. I had her full attention. Derek is definitely a pirate, but he saved my life a while back. I owe him everything. Will he hurt my dad? No, but I'm going to hurt him. Why? Dad set it up perfectly. You agreed with him. Cotton to Kasiri. I'm the cotton. Let's go to Kasiri. We can't. Why not? Did you not hear me? Derek burst our bubble. Yeah, but I don't know what that means. Do you know anything about deep space travel? No. Kaya then went on with a brief explanation of how it worked. She said that space was so big that no matter how fast a ship traveled, there was no practical way to get from point A to point B on a galactic scale. So, in order to travel thousands of light years in a single lifetime, we shift into a dimension without time. Since time and space are linked, being in a dimension without time means you're also in a dimension without space, or rather infinite time and infinite space. I later got a whole long boring explanation of density remaining a constant regardless of speed, so infinite mass at the speed of light meant infinite volume, thus connecting the point mass at the beginning of the universe, infinite mass, with the total expansion at the end of it, infinite volume, blah, blah, blah. Oddly enough, this explanation came not from a physicist, but an astro-metaphysical priest. The gist was that going into this so-called dimension without time meant that a ship could come out of it anywhere in space you wanted to. The trouble is, computers need time to execute their commands. Without it, their linear programming doesn't work. I knew how they felt. Is that what happened to me? My life all happened at once? Kaya explained how the whole billions of lifetimes at once thing worked, though she pointed out that all at once isn't the right way to put it since once is a unit of time. They just happen, she said. Whatever. Finally, she got around to telling me how a computer goes from one line of programming to the next, and the next, etc. But in a timeless dimension, they can't do anything, since each line of a program is dependent on the one before it. But without time, there is no before or after. Everything just happens. Or in this case, nothing happens at all. To fix this, the navigation computers, navcoms, stay in a bubble, inside our timeline. So one line of computer code leads the ship into the timeless dimension, and a tick of the clock later, the next line pulls it out where it's supposed to be. That tick of a clock has become tick for short. Having said all that, Kaya looked over at her navcom, which lay in pieces on the floor. I now had a better understanding of how desperate the situation was. Can you fix it? Kaya got defensive all of a sudden. Navcoms are quantum computers, made of water. No moving parts, nothing to age. Do you know how old it gets in there? But can you fix it? No. Sometimes I hated her finalities. But I can get it fixed. Sometimes I didn't. Kaya was on the move again. She paced and fired out orders. Helm, stand by for silent running. Standing by for silent support. Support. running. Low aye. and slow. Light support. Low Sensors, and slow. Long aye. range and passive. Long Alert range on and passive. Alert on contact. Aye. Kaya mumbled to herself, What am I forgetting? Oh yeah. Ship, drop the top. Blast shields down. Aye. As Dad would say, By all that's holy. The ceiling of the ship split in two. The thick, heavy blast shields rolled back toward the hull revealing the shaping steel that I hadn't noticed was underneath it. Like the smuggler's closet, the dome was transparent, so the entire deck appeared to be open to space. Wow, was all I could say. This is... wow. We were just outside of a star nursery. Tremendous clouds of multicolored dust and gases swirled around us. We must have been a hundred orbits from the clouds, but they were so big that they seemed to engulf us. In a billion lifetimes, these clouds would form into stars and planets. But for now, they were just... Wow. But Kaya wasn't looking at that. She was looking at our main mast, which was in pieces, bouncing against the transparent hull of the ship. I was afraid of that, she said, accidentally including me on ship's business. Derek blasted our main sail. We can't tick, and we can't sail. Sail? Sail, surf, whatever you want to call it. Interplanetary travel. Riding waves of dark energy or solar winds if nothing else is available. That's also when Kaya educated me on thumps. That it's like tossing a rock in a lake of dark energy, creating waves to surf on. So what do we do? We drift until some junker picks us up. Why not call for help? Kaya gave me a sideways look like she didn't believe how naive I was but then spoke without condescension. This is free space. No law, no order. We ask for help. We'll just get trouble. She then pulled out some small plastic bags with a secure tie at the top. How's your stomach? Fine. Why? Because, ship, go with silent running. Silent running, I. Silent running means no energy output, and that means no artificial gravity. Suddenly, my stomach wasn't so good. During the changes in gravity before, I had other things on my mind. Now, I was just floating in a sea of fabric that formerly had been my clothes. The lights had gone out too, but it wasn't exactly dark. The pink, purple, orange, and blue light of the star nursery filled the ship with a surreal glow. How long do we have to drift like this? I asked as I involuntarily inched my way toward the ceiling. Hard to say. A few hours. Or as long as the food holds out. I didn't like that last option. Kaya didn't seem to have a preference. She was more concerned with my intestines as she handed me the bags. You get sick without a bag, you clean it up. I was so pathetic, wiggling there in space. I couldn't move more than a few inches. I was drifting. I could barely see as my clothes kept wafting into my face. I was starting to understand the practicality of Kaya's sparse outfit. On top of all that had happened to me in the last few hours, Now I had to flop around like an idiot. I wanted to go home. I wanted my dad. I wanted my mom to be alive and healthy. I wanted to reach a wall so I could hang on to something. Kaya didn't say a thing. Instead, she flipped her legs up over her head, which sent her up to the ceiling. Then she pushed off in the direction of her little kitchenette area. Just as I was about to call her a show-off, she took out a ball about the size of my head from the cargo net that held it in place. She tossed me the ball. Catch. I managed to catch it, which caused me to drift in the direction it had been going. What's this for? Bounce it as hard as you can against the ceiling and catch it. With two hands, I threw the ball as hard as I could, which turned out to be only half as hard as I expected. I found myself drifting away from the ball just as fast as the ball was moving away from me. It hit the ceiling and bounced back in my direction, but it seemed like it would never get to me as I was moving away from it faster than it was moving toward me. Finally, I hit the deck and put my hands out to hold on to it. But there was nothing to grab. My efforts pushed me away from the floor. Luckily, the ball hit me square in the back, which slowed me down enough to snag a hold of the mast. Now you can make your way to your room. I imagine you could use a good cry alone. It was obvious from her tone that Kaya didn't have any experience in crying, Jags. Me? I was kind of cried out. Being alone would be good, though, so I said, Yeah, and fumbled my way toward the stairs. When I got to the steps, Kaya said, Nadir? I stopped. I'm sorry about your dad. She wasn't so much expressing an emotion as stating a fact. I looked around and tried to smile in appreciation, but couldn't really manage it. Thanks. I hoped Kaya got the appreciative part. I couldn't tell, because after we made eye contact, she flipped herself through the ship and managed a perfect landing in her captain's chair. I went down to my little room, which held all of my possessions, and might well become my tomb.